0: Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the two-man game here on Clayton Online. I'm Bob Ramsey. That's my partner, Matt Rocchio. And this is the show where we break down basketball for you. In particular, St. Louis U. Primarily, we try and hit the NBA and anything else that kind of uh, strikes our fancy. I don't know if anybody struck your fancy lately, Rock, but we're going to try. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good, Rammer. How are you doing? Doing well. i uh, so let's let's dive right in and start with the Billikens. A uh, a one and one week as they run this very tough strength of schedule gauntlet. Um, they actually kind of reversed game the the win loss as I thought it might go when I looked at the schedule preseason. The Billikens were able to win on the road at Boise State and then lost at home to Alabama Birmingham. We're gonna break both those games down uh, a little bit, but for me an overarching piece for the week was the Billikens were not playing as good a basketball as I think they're capable. Travis Ford said the same thing, and it's, I wouldn't call it alarming, but mildly concerning.
1: I guess the first thing I would want to hear from you uh, is what exactly were some of the thoughts, and I know Travis can be, you know, admitting, you know, very reasonably terse uh, after losses, especially when they're tough ones like that. What, what were the notes you got from him after a tough UAB loss?
0: Well, so UAB was the second of the two in the week, and um, the Billikens just weren't playing very well. Um, and this, that's an easy one to break down. Um, all the Billikens shooting percentages were good. All of them were good. The Problem mm-hmm. was you let UAB get, I forgot the exact number, a dozen 15 more shots. Well, how does that happen? Well, you didn't rebound. Yep. And when you did turn it over, it wasn't an alarming number of turnovers. Usually if you can keep it at a dozen or less, you're in pretty good shape in most games, except it seemed that UAB turned every turnover into points. Um, but the, the, the main reason that UAB got so many more looks at the basket was because of all their offensive rebounds. And uh, that is starting to become a little bit more of a trend. It was sort of one of those, um, it wasn't one of those trends that slapped you in the face all of a sudden. It sort of crept into games as the mm-hmm. season has worn on. We saw a little bit at Boise and then, and then, but finally it's gotten to the point where, my gosh, look at this. We shot the ball well and uh we didn't turn it over too much yet we still gave gave up too many shots and that's how UAB won the game and the other thing is this is this is this can can kind of be an insidious element to to a team game as well is it it seemed that every to borrow from soccer every 50-50 ball it seemed like hmm. was won by UAB it seemed like they and i hate this phrase uh, but it fits uh, appearance-wise. They wanted it more.
1: Yeah. Again, I, I, hate, I hate that, that phrase. phrase. Yeah, I, hate I think phrase most too. of the
0: time it's a bunch of baloney. But yeah. the stats sort of sort of fit that narrative.
1: Yeah, and rebounds were something that was kind of jumping out. As you know, like you said, by the numbers they weren't getting dominated. But it seems to have slew a lot of the things that we've kind of pointed out this season haven't been. You know, the gross you know, big picture kind of numbers, but it just seems like the timing of the rebounds or the timings of the turnovers or the timings of, you know, bad shot selection, uh, which also kind of crept up at times in this game. It's it's not, it doesn't happen often, but man, when it happens, it is in backbreaking crucial moments that in previous games just kind of made you sweat a little bit because they were able to get the W, but obviously kind of came back to bite you and obviously led to your just second loss of the season. Uh, well, you know, and, and, then, the and let me
0: back up when we talk about as things move forward and little things happen, you got a really good win on the road, right? Boise State yep. on the road. Hey, that's tremendous. The Billikens were outplayed in almost every category, yep. outplayed by the Broncos, except the Billikens got 34 free throw attempts and hit a remarkable 30 of 34. They took more than Boise State, uh, or they made more than Boise State took And uh, uh, that's a formula that always helps you win. 30 of 34 is a truly remarkable number. And Boise hit 12 of, I think it was 12 of 26, if memory Mm -hmm. serves. That's the reason you won. That's the reason they lost, depending on your perspective. And, you know, if, if Boise has to look at those numbers and say, if we were just bad instead of historically abysmal, Just bad. Four or five more free throws. They win the game. They outplayed the Billikens, and that that should have sent up some red flags. And I think it did. Um, And UAB came in and took advantage.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about the rebounding after after the Boise State game, uh, and but really before the UAB game about you know again, it wasn't. It was just the timing the timing of the boards were were bad, and, and if a couple things break, there's a different way that that's a loss in Boise. But I like how I like looking at. The week, in a, in a grander way, and saying, "Listen, you played like an L in Boise, but you got the but you got to win, and then you played like a like a win, you know, leading the first 35 minutes of a game at home against the Blazers, and then you got the L. So I think it's interesting to look at it that way. Uh, I think Slu fans would appreciate, and maybe if that's some good perspective when you kind of look at it that way instead of just saying, you know, it was such a good win against Boise State, and then obviously. Uh, a tough win against UAB. And that's the thing, you know, when we look back on it and just, you know, if you're just looking at schedules, it's not a bad loss at all. Uh, you know, in every conceivable rating and ranking, UAB, you know, this year is is so far ranked as a better team than SLU. But when you look at leading for 35 minutes, when you look at, you know, a four-minute span late in the game, late in the second half, where you really screw up. I mean, it's, it was a bad second half for the most part. You only scored 24 points. That's never good. But it really, really was just that little, you know, about nine minute, eight, yeah. eight thirty to about four that really broke them. Yep. And then they played. They played. didn't play too bad in the last four minutes. I mean, that last shot by Jimmer, uh, Jimerson, I mean, that's a great look. So I mean, I, I like looking at it more in this two game view, this, this weak view, instead of just focusing on yeah. Boise and UAB. I like I like that perspective.
0: And so I don't know. I I know you like to look at tape and and go through numbers. I don't know if any of those other numbers jumped out at you uh, in the UAB game. For me, um, uh, again, I go back to hustle points, uh, things like boxing out, things that don't always show up in the numbers.
1: Yeah, the one thing that's, jumped, that's coming out, that uh, that came out to me right now, uh, and this is some of the numbers I dug out, is the three-point shooting of SLU right now because there really are some crazy numbers. First off, in the UAB game, let's just look at that game for a moment and then we're going to talk about some season-long stats. In that UAB game, the first six of their 16 field goals attempts were three-point attempts, and they hit four of them, I believe. And instead of focusing on maybe that being a, a small sample size, I choose to focus on the fact that if you break down those first 16 shots, the possessions that led up to them and the possessions that got those shots were perfect possessions in, in a lot of ways. It was yeah. the takeaway in the Harris-Stowe game. That first half was the best half-court offense and ball movement overall that I think we've seen some, from slew the entire season. I agree. I agree. And so when you look at that, the first six of 16 are three-pointers excuse you, and you're making them, and then you zoom out and you see 10 of 27 of your shots in the first half, that's the the breakdown, 27 total shots, just 10 of three, and then you look at your second half, 9 of 22, you just go one and nine. I thought the transition, the change in how well the offense was running early in the first half, and then especially as we moved into the second half, it was worrisome that they weren't able to get those same looks and overall this transitions to the whole season cuz this is this is honestly crazy to me right now when it comes to three point rates, so the amount of shots you're taking and the percentage of them that are three point shots total slew is 327th in the country out of 358
0: on shots taken three point shots th- taken
1: rate so their total uh, yeah the, the percentage of their three point shots yes the percentage of their three point of their total shots that are three pointers They are 327th in the country right now, but they are hitting those three pointers at a 39% rate, which is 25th in the country. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that I think there's a clear area in there where you could raise up the volume where, and with an expected drop in efficiency, because that's going to happen, it would be a net bonus for this offense. I agree. And that's something right now fo- uh, that, that's key to me, and one of the big things, and we saw this a lot against UAB, and I talked about this in a previous podcast, is they keep using Gibson as a cutter on these like, these sharp curls around Okoro and Linson towards the basket. And... He's not, fin- he's not getting a lot of his interior points from those possessions. He's getting a lot of his free throws. But when he's actually finishing at the rim, he's doing that more in transition and off uh, cuts on the baseline. So he's not getting a whole ton of production on those plays. So just a little thing mm. where if Gibson's yeah. just getting two or three more three-point attempts just coming off those screens hard, high for a, for a three-pointer off the wing, that completely changes the rate of the threes they're taking. That little bit, just two or three more points – per possession or across you know 100 possessions that changes you know a season that changes games across a season
0: yeah and you know what to support your point and shockingly i couldn't agree more i think you're absolutely dead on and you take a look you know gibson is hitting 39 percent. he's an mm-hmm. elite shooter but he's only taken 41 threes mm-hmm. heck it, i wouldn't wouldn't bother me if that were doubled now Part of the issue there is um, the old football line. Well, they own scholarship too. Yeah, meaning, yeah, that's true. Meaning they're they're taking that shot away from him. I get that. Mm-hmm. Jordan Nesbitt, he's shooting thirty five percent. That's quality. Thirty mm-hmm. to me, to me, thirty three percent is sort of uh, the minimum acceptable for me. If you're below thirty three percent, you know you got to be careful taking too many. Thirty five percent is solid. TJ Hargrove. He's only taken 17 threes. He's shooting 53%. 53%. Take the shot. And and he struggled. He struggled over the last three
1: games. I I wrote it down over here. He struggled the last three games. Three points, six points, four points on one of six shooting, two of three shooting, and one of three shooting. But guess what? That's, That's four total makes. Three of them are his three makes from three on six shots. He's shooting 50% in three games where he hasn't been productive. I mean, and, and again, the reason why I focus on those those Jimerson cuts is because it's one part of the offense that is used so often. And if you watch the plays, it's not like they're like clumped up outside. Almost every time they get it on the weak side and there's no defender out there on the wing. And he has the entire, I mean, he has the corner pretty much up until almost the you know the, the the high wing he has that to 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 run out to you know depending on the angles they want to play with or where the screen is and so i mean it, and it's just one or two more opportunities a game it's just a little bit different that's one thing that that definitely keep just keep kept being a big part of what i was watching against the blazers and then when i went in and saw the numbers when i saw the three point rate that was insane the teams around them by the way that low are either not good or ridiculously athletic and rebound like crazy and are able to score inside like Kentucky and a couple other schools like Santa Barbara who just – they don't take a lot of threes, but they're successful teams. But a lot of the teams around them at the bottom are not good. No, they're terrible. And and so it's just – it seems like a weird thing. And so they can take more shots. And I actually think if you want to watch a team uh, about – when it comes to three-point shooting, that I think – you could take something. If you're a Billikens fan with some expectation, it'll be tonight when we watch them play Belmont, that'll be a similar team and we'll get into them later, but yeah. just kind of put that in your brain. And that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I agree. When I, when I talk about the increase in outside shooting.
0: Yeah. And let me, and let me talk about a, a couple of other guys. And, uh, I, I, I would not presume to, uh, Suggest that Travis Port Ford should change his rotation or his players or any of those things. That, that that's not my place, and I I'm, i go to a number of practices, but I'm not at every practice. And you've got a coaching staff that, not counting Travis, has t- two of assistants have been high level head coaches. This bunch knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. so I don't want anybody to think I'm being critical. But I mentioned the guys, you know. Um, with those shooting percentages, DeAndre Jones, we saw saw what he's capable of. He's now hitting 48%. And then here's a guy who's only played six of the nine games. Rashad Williams, who after every game, after every practice, continues to shoot his three. He's a veteran. 37% from three-point range. I really believe that the Billikens will make this more of a weapon. Um, Because when they were getting when they were working to get – here's the other thing. You don't want to just go down and jack up wild shots. No. You need it to be within the offense, and that's what Mm -hmm. you were saying. You pointed it out. The efficiency of the first half, that's what you're striving for, and I'm sure we're going to see more of an effort on that moving forward.
1: By the way, on DeAndre Jones, I'm glad you mentioned that. He doesn't qualify right now for minutes played or shots taken, but if he did qualify, he would be tied for third in the nation for offensive rating. Now, offensive rating has a lot of there's problems with the stat, but relative DeAndre Jones, when he's on the court, is producing offensively at an insane rate. And yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see more and more of him because yeah, he's hitting his threes at a at a rate. And in heck, he's taking his three he's taking threes at a rate that I'd like to see um, you know, the whole team. Maybe not to that rate, but more so in line with what I want to see. But yeah, DeAndre Jones, I mean, he's he was obviously incredible. Against the Blazers off the bench, the entire bench was really good too. And how about but this? Really, he's been huge. He
0: he's played hundred and seventy minutes this year. Three turnovers.
1: Yeah. I know Travis I know Travis pointed out the low turnover count of, of him and um Nesbit. Nesbit yeah. was the other player he pointed out. Really low turnover count because I think I think Travis and and, and we've pointed it out, and I think it's really what you should focus on because he is still essentially a freshman. Defense, ball handling moving the ball, effort plays, that's really the focus right now for Nesbitt. And I, yeah. and I think you saw that again in, in, in a game where he his, the shot wasn't, you know, the shot wasn't falling when he was taking it, but he didn't take any bad shots really out of the rhythm of the offense. And, you know, he had a couple more of those rebounds where he ripped it away from somebody in a really athletic fashion that I love. So, yeah, I, li- I like I like what we're seeing from Janez, and I like that Ford is is focusing on that stuff. That's a great thing to highlight.
0: Let's use Janez as our transition. Are, are you done with UAB? Uh, other
1: than the fact that, that the bench was incredible, and, that, yeah. and that, yeah,
0: that, that's it. That, that.
1: I loved that. Oh, my God. I mean? That was
0: – The first few games of the year, Fred, you were like, boy, where's Fred Thatch? Memphis, he was frustrated. When he's, but since Memphis, what? this is the guy I- off the bench that is just amazing.
1: 31 points from five starters, 41 points from three bench players. Yep. That's yep. an incredible – I just wanted to point that out because that is absolutely wild. But you, know, well, we'll go ahead and transition with, Nez, with Jay Nez.
0: Yeah, with Jay Nez, let's talk about it because I think – I think Jay Nez is the kind of guy that could – I've used this term with him before because I think we all feel that it's going to be coming, but I think he is an X-Factor guy against Belmont tonight. Um, Belmont comes in um, they've got a couple of very nice wins Um, they beat Drake and they beat Iona Mm -hmm. those are two very very nice wins Um, their losses came at Ohio at LSU and against Dayton so no bad losses in there either so what do they do well they've shot over a hundred more threes than SLU referencing back to your point Mm-hmm. they score 79 a game what they don't do um they don't get a ton of rebounds yeah, only 33 they, a game um and in fact they,
1: although they beat they beat the crap out of Drake on the boards yeah they they slaughter Drake on the boards
0: well here here's the key thing I think Nick muzinski is 611 to60 I think it is mm-hmm. he's their leading scorer he, he's their um one rebound less than will Richard. So 17 points, six rebounds a game. He hits his free throws, 57% from the field. Um, And we've seen, we all really like the Billiken uh, tandem of bigs. Traore eventually is going to get more time too. So uh, your your, uh, trio of bigs. But we've seen with Memphis and with UAB, seven footers, that's a legitimate problem. It's a legitimate problem.
1: Yeah, it's going to be another big game for Okoro off the bench. That's going to be huge because if he can, because he can, he can give Musinski problems. If you look at their rebounding numbers and things like that, they're they're actually pretty similar. Okoro, um, if you look at his, his advanced stats, his rebounding numbers are actually really good. Yeah. Um, and, and you know when you look at their total stats, I mean nineteen twelve. Uh, three, almost three blocks when you combine them across, you know, 38 minutes and buzinski's you know, right there, he plays almost 30 minutes. And so they're going to, it's going to be a handful for him, but it is something that they could take advantage of. And more so, I think let's, you know, let's not get bogged down and just talking about rebounds and the big men. This could be a game where if, if, if Linson and and Okoro are just solid and uh, consistent with boxing him out, then Thatch Nesbit; these guys can 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 crash the boards, and, and I think have a good night again. Now, there's some good wings who who board well. You already mentioned uh, Will Richard, who's six five and gets six point four boards per game. Uh, that's extremely impressive, and we'll talk more about him. Yeah. Uh, but I think that could be a factor where Slew could maybe take advantage of it. Maybe this is where they kind of turn the turn it around when it comes to the rebounding game.
0: So here's the here's the problem with that they shoot 27 threes a game. And mm-hmm. everybody shoots him except for the big boy. Mm-hmm. He's even tried eight, but, but but
1: he's three assists per game and he's getting those on kickouts off doubles yeah. and stuff like that because yeah. and he's he's good at that.
0: The point I'm getting to is um 27 threes a game. So, you're a player, how do you wrap your head around you've got to help on rebounding and keep Belmont off the board. You can't get killed and give up all the offensive boards like you did against UAB. However, you can't cheat to the rim because everybody else is shooting threes and at a high rate. It is really, you can see how that is really going to be a challenge to try and do both things 20 feet away from each other.
1: Yeah, and, and the combination of Shepard and Richard is going to be really interesting to watch, 6'6", six, six and 6'5". Six, and the, the key thing for me is, I think in college basketball, we get so used to seeing teams that have, you know, a guy who can drive, a guy you can shoot, a guy who can pass. But these these guys, they both take about half of their shots inside the arc and half of their shots outside the arc, which is very impressive. And Richard is, they're both very efficient players, um, so, that, so they don't, you know, you're not gonna. You're not having guys who just jack shots. They take smart shots within their offense. It's Belmont. That assessment, if you've watched basketball, or college basketball in the past decade, is not a surprising thing to you. That's what Belmont does. But these guys are just an extension of that. And Richard, get ready to think, hear about this guy for multiple years. He's a freshman. He's already started He didn't start the first three games. He started the last seven, averaging 12 points on seven on what is it? 12 points, 11 points on just seven and a half shots per game. That's efficiency. I mean, this kid's a monster, and this shepherd guy doesn't mess around either.
0: Well, um, again, two different teams, styles, whatever. I, I'd like to think the Bills can take a general lesson from this team because with the athletes the Bills have, taking more threes, making more threes, ultimately, ultimately opens up things to drive. Yeah, if if for those who aren't hardcore fans, it might it might sound like seem like an oxymoron. But when you make somebody close out hard, Mm -hmm. that gives you the opportunity to drive past them. If they're passive, then you can shoot. So they got to pick their poison. But you've got to make more threes to force them to do so, in my view.
1: Yeah, and Slew's actually done a good job of forcing teams off the three point line. Uh, this season so far, it, it's been one of the things that I, I haven't focused on. But just looking at all the numbers, it's they're clearly doing a good job of it. And yeah. this team, it's going to be something you want to. Fo- we're going to look at tonight. How are they doing that, and are they successful at doing it? Because it's not just about you know giving a good look. It's also trying to limit those looks because clearly these guys can shoot. And you know the the another big thing I, I kind of want to talk about because we're we're talking a lot about the starters, and that's pretty much what you're going to see because despite the fact that they've played a lot of guys a few minutes here and there and some of these big wins against Sanford and even the loss against LSU, they really do not dip into the bench very much. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll go eight deep, but really Pearson will get 12, 15 minutes. um, And he's just a glue guy. Doesn't really put much up on, up on the, on the stat sheet. uh, Jacoby Wood will play about 15, 20 minutes, every, you know, different games he'll, he'll go anywhere from like 10 to 20 minutes. So I'm interested to see if they can, you know, if, if, Muzinski gets into foul trouble, then the the rebounding conversation we just had, that completely changes. Because at that point you you have 6'8 Hollander, who's a bench guy, and that's that's their big man. That's 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 their that's their depth as a forward. So I mean if Muzinski gets into foul trouble, that right there could completely throw it on its head. And just overall, I think we could see the bigger guard slash forwards like Nesbitt and Hargrove. They could have some big moments in this game, I think. I think this is their time. They've had some the quiet games. I think this could be the game where we see Uri and Gibson you know, snap back to what we expect from them. But this could be where we see TJ and Nesbitt really kind of make a little bit of a leap from what we've seen the last week.
0: So uh, just to kind of wrap up Belmont, I think that um, everybody knows you got to protect the home court. This would be a big win if you can get this. Actually, this is one of those games that's great for both teams. Uh, but being the home team, you really need it. You know, Belmont takes a loss. It's a good. It's a good loss on the road against another good team. Um, uh, one of the ratings was out today. Uh, net rating was out or yesterday. Yeah, Monday, a- and the Bills are in the top hundred, which is mm-hmm. where they minimum of where they should be every year. And um, these are the kind of games that help them achieve in the net ratings. So th- this is a real big one tonight.
1: Yeah. Speaking of ratings, just a, a quick little thing to kind of maybe give your head, you know, expectations are hard sometimes in college basketball with all the different conferences and so on and so forth. Um, St. Louis right now is 89th Kempom, 67th in the ra- in the net and Belmont is 58th Kempom and 43rd in the net. So about 20, 30 spots. Separating them in both rankings, uh, or so, so relatively about the same. Two other stats I want to get out there really quick, uh, in tonight's game to, to watch for teams teams get to the line against Belmont, and that obviously has been huge for SLU. Um, it's, it's top 50 in the nation of what teams are doing against Belmont from the three-throw line. So, if SLU can continue to hit their spots, and, and, and again, it wasn't a big game, it wasn't a defining game. But if SLU wins against UAB, we're still talking about 16-22 as a good, respectable, you know, day from the free throw line. And so that could be another big factor in this game. And then also the country's leader in steals, Grayson Murphy, 6'2", 5th-year senior, senior guard, is, is a Belmont Bulldog. Uh, I think that matchup could be big. I think Quan Jackson – in the UAB game he showed up especially late as a defender yes. um, guarding multiple players and i think Grayson Murphy at 62 is just about the perfect player to to hound to hound Yuri the entire game and, and with 3 points 2 3.2 steals per game he he's, he's probably going to be do a pretty good job of it for the most part
0: and finally for me that's probably why we'll see in the in the advent of DeAndre Jones is not just a backup, but a a a big time part of the rotation. And playing those two together um, could be a critical aspect in this game.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, we we're, we're seeing that a man rotation has established itself, where Jones is Jones is the one two, Thatch is the three four, Okoro is the five, and that that's 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 where the rotation is. And then obviously the starters can switch around a little bit as well. Um, yes. But I tell you what, with the way the with the way the bench is playing right now, this a man rotation is really locking in, and I think this is exactly kind of what Travis was talking about preseason when he talked about the a man rotation. I have to imagine this is exactly what he would expect. I think the only interesting thing when it comes to rotation at this point, because I think the minutes, I think the starting, I think some people are carping about Linson, but they're not watching the game close enough because he's a monster defensively and offensively. Um, But I think we're going to see this eight-man rotation. The minutes pretty similar. I think the question is: is at any point do you like you said, does the advent of the shooting maybe cause Rashad Williams to get some more minutes, or do yeah. we see Traore? Do we see Ore just by the just because there's a bad foul game and he keeps you know showing that he can that he can play at this level?
0: Yeah. So those will be the things we'll look for tonight against Belmont. Let's make the transition over to the pro game, the NBA, which is your baby. Um, what happened to Phoenix? I mean, Book, yeah, Booker
1: Booker was out, and so that you, you kind of expected it. And, and it, was a, it was the second night of a back-to-back, and the Warriors weren't about to lose the same team twice in three games. So, I mean, it was every piece of the formula was kind of breaking the Warriors' way. That one didn't really surprise me. Um, what did surprise me is that Aiden, uh, after kind of not dominating but really showing a weakness in the Warriors in game one and the, his ability – to, I mean, it was insane. He would go down on the offensive end, and he would immediately seal. And he'd get a good look almost every time. And then the crazy part is, because he's seven feet tall, but he's he's quick, is he would get down, and then he'd seal it, it with good positioning on the defensive end immediately with the point where he, where he was locking Looney or Draymond out. And so, I mean, he was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for 36 minutes, just seal, 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 seal. I mean, when you see a big man do that – it's that's, that's enjoyable to watch. And so sure is. that was a huge part of the game, even with Booker going out halfway through the big thing, more so even than Booker, because again, he wasn't there for half that, that win is that Draymond. Did not let that happen in, in the second game. And, and Aiden, while very good, wasn't the dynamic uh, playmaker. He was uh, in that first game. And I think that was the big thing. Uh, and, and then Curry hit more shots. Mikael Bridges can play all the defense he wants, and he's very good. And I, Despite a two-point game, I said he was the most important player in that game. He played a very good defensive game against Curry, but the Warriors just – Wiggins pulled out – Wiggins pulled out that – did you see the replay of him pulling out the Penny Hardaway spin move? Oh, that thing was yeah. – that was – and people put up the side-by-side, and it was, I mean, by the centimeter, a perfect a perfect – Penny Hardaway, little turnaround spin move. It was great. So the Warriors just have a lot of weapons. And, oh, yeah, Clay Thompson's a nice little Christmas present.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and then on the Phoenix side, you point out, and um, I hate it when people, oh, yeah, well, it was probably good we lose now because, no, nah, I don't like that. No. It was never good no. when you lose. Having said that, they can kind of catch their breath and just keep moving forward start dominating yeah. people again.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I I love that the the fight right now in the West is between the Warriors, uh, and the Suns because I'm just I'm just really not infatuated with the whole Lakers thing right now. Uh, one thing I did want to throw out to you, um, it, because the the Wizards we, we we mentioned them a lot are 14 and 10. They're the first in their division, but Bradley Beal is struggling this year. He's scoring just 22 points after scoring 31 last year. His field goal percentage is down by 6% his three point percentage is down by 8% he's really been struggling shooting the ball his assists though are almost at a career high so they're winning but his points are really down how should you know St. Louis fans Bradley Beal fans feel about that kind of you know big kind of switch
0: well um contributing to a winner is really what it's all about Mm-hmm. And if, if you do that, and and if you're making your team and teammates better, personal numbers don't matter. And I'm not sour grapesing it. Uh, I'm not um, you know uh, hedging. It'd be great to score forty a game and win and, and start winning. Um, uh, and and I'm certain I'm, I'm certain Beal wants to score more, wants to shoot better. And I'm sure he will as the season goes on. But being a part of a winner or a team that's trying to be a winner is more important. I really believe that.
1: And this, this, is, this was bad, this was bad uh, broadcasting on my part. I should have mentioned the big thing because the NBA changed the rule and an emphasis on uh, how they call fouls. And essentially they're trying to take away the cheap offensive fouls that shooters were getting, by jumping into defenders yes. on 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 pump fakes and things like that, right? And it, it's hurt some shooters' game. James Harden's been one one person, although they are mitigating factors with his fitness level because of injuries that are contributing to that. Bradley Beal has gone from seven point seven free throws last year to four point four point one this year. And so when you talk about the groove that hitting a couple free throws can get a player into in that first quarter when they start out two for six or something like that and now that opportunity isn't there we saw what it did to James Harden up in Brooklyn and I think we're seeing that a little bit in uh DC with Beal is that he's not getting some of the same foul calls he's gotten a lot of his career and because of that he's having a little bit more struggle shooting from outside and I did mention it He's not shooting as much, despite the fact that the alt, his, his percentages are down big. But he's also shooting the ball less in the first place because he's distributing more. Because the Wizards are a better winning team, and that's what people should be focusing on.
0: Speaking yeah, of which, and by the way, oh, by the way, uh, any any rule and its interpretation by a given official in a given game can be argued with. Not that I would ever argue with it. No, heavens no. But no, you don't uh, argue. You make a statement. But by and large. <laughs> by by and large i think the theory behind that change in the rule is good for the game
1: absolutely it was i mean getting defenders to just jump up on a pump fake is one thing but the way they would jump into them in certain ways it would just be ridiculous guys would jump to the side and things like that the yeah. shooters got a the shooters got their own rule uh the, the you know the louis scholar rule a few years ago where they um where they uh, made the rule where if you enter a player's landing zone, it's a flagrant, and you right. know, or it's a technical. I mean, not, not flagrant; it's a technical. Yeah. Where if you enter, where if you enter a player's landing zone, it's a technical, and and they and, they, and they and if you even get close to where they're landing, they call that easier. And so that's the trade-off that I think Agreed. needed to be made, and, and in both ways was smart for the NBA to make. And. Yeah. Uh, Talking about Bradley Beal, by the way, he's on tomorrow night against the Pistons. That should be an easy win and a game where he should put a, a big number. The big thing tonight, if you if you want to, because we love – this is obviously just not only St. Louis-based but nationally-based. Uh, later tonight, after SLU plays Belmont, the Celtics are playing the Lakers. So, obviously, anytime the Celtics and the Lakers are playing, it's a marquee matchup. Yeah. Um, on Wednesday night, I'm going to be watching the 76ers and the Hornets. They played last night. It was a very close game, especially in the first half. Uh, so i can't wait to see them already play again in two nights and then you can watch Jason Tatum on the back end of a back to back they're staying out in LA playing the clippers on wednesday night but the big one on wednesday night you want to watch bucks and heat premier east eastern conference matchup at this point it's you know the, the bulls the bucks the heat the hornets that's the nets in there too that's the five teams in the east that if they're playing you want to find a way to watch them so bucks Heat, it's going to be a great game on Wednesday night. And so two really good nights of basketball. You got SLU and Belmont, Lakers, Celtics, and then Wednesday, a nice little NBA slate as well. Well,
0: when we get back in touch with everybody on Friday, we'll talk about this great week of NBA basketball and see how things are shaking out a little bit. And, and, you know, you were talking about Bradley Beal. And I think in these great matchups, even though it's before Christmas, and, you know, really, you, you really get into it And when the chips are down after the all-star break, but even in December with watching which great players rise above it, rise above the fray in these intense matchups, that's really the fun right now for me.
1: Yeah. And, um, oh, this is, this is great. I I need to find, I got to, I got to point people to something because, okay, so Giannis out of the Kumpo just turned 27 and Um, One of the more famous guys on Twitter did a breakdown of the greats at 27. And, oh, my dear Lord, is the NBA potentially in a world of trouble because Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, uh, Magic Johnson, all of these guys, when you think about the defining year where they decided, where they said, you know what, I think I'm just going to kind of take over the league. That was the year they turned 27. Jordan. It was the first year he won a title. Curry. It was 14, 15 when he was just an unbelievable incandescent, just like light bulb of basketball at all moments, at all times. Um, Magic. His age 27 season was I think 87 when he took over, and, and just that—that's when it, it became his league. So I mean, it's just Giannis just turned 27, and this—this this might be a wrap. Everybody else.
0: Yeah, you know what? Thanks happen-
1: for coming out. This is this is it.
0: You know what happens, and this is this is general, and there are many uh, examples to the contrary. But that's where the brain starts to catch up with the God-given physical attributes and all the work they put in, and then the brain starts to kick in, figuring out the game, and that's when you see the next four, five, six years, sometimes longer if they're lucky. You start to see hall of fame caliber play
1: this is this is so the, uh, if, if you if you're on twitter you probably follow him at dragonfly jones he's one of the best people on twitter and i guarantee you there's a lot of people listening who do follow him so 2012 lebron james 27 years old 2009 Dwayne Wade, 27 years old 2006 kobe bryant that was when he was 27 15 16 steph Uh, Somebody else pointed out Jordan was 27 at the start of his first title season. Tim Duncan turned 27 in 2003 when he when he beat Kobe and Shaq, won the MVP and the Finals MVP. Kevin Garnett was 27 in 2004 when he won his first MVP. That's Moses Malone was 27 in 83. That's when he went absolutely crazy. Magic was twenty-seven and eighty-seven, his best season. Bird won the, his first MVP in eighty-four. I think he, I think he was twenty. I think he was twenty-six in that one as well. So it's just like it's it's insane that Giannis has already has done all of this. He's just now turning twenty-seven, and if you look at a huge percentage of the greats, this is when they start tearing the league to absolute shreds.
0: So did you peak so, at twenty-seven? No. Did you peak at 27, Rock? Oh, God. Let's forget it. Athletically, athletically, athletically,
1: yes. We'll just stick with that. We'll just we'll stick with that.
0: Oh, that's oh, going to wrap up the show on that note, as now I, I've ruined his night. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, we we'll get, get it all back together again when we come your way on Friday. Great show. Uh, the Billikins in uh, Belmont tonight. And then we'll preview. Uh, we'll preview the weekend's games when we come up on Friday. Rock, great as always. Uh, good breakdown. Well done, sir. And uh, don't forget for any kind of sport info, sports info you're looking for, an in inside conversation. Always go to Klaibs Online. This is the two-man game. That's Matt Rockio. I'm Bob Ramsey. And we'll see you next time.